Season 3 of True Enough brings you more missing persons. An Amber Alert was immediately raised. Police investigated to the best of their ability. No trace of her was ever found. More unsolved murders. The blood was spattered all over the place. She knew her attacker. I mean, he was in the area, that's about all I can say. Because of the blood smears on her body. More paranormal. That was unnerving. We just heard like a whistle in the woods. It freaks me out. I just heard what sounded like a growl behind me. I felt unsettled. And more unexplained. It's a it's an investigation to a phenomenon. Something happened? Things that happened to me, at least, that I can't explain. Will it be true enough? In July of 2015, at 11.07 p.m., 18-year-old Tiffany Valente was struck by New Jersey Transit Train number 4963 just outside Mays Landing, a small community 20 miles from Atlantic City, New Jersey. She was likely killed instantly, but the speeding train took time to come to a stop, dragging and dismembering her body for a quarter of a mile. The medical examiner's report is particularly grisly, eventually listing the cause of death as, quote, multiple traumatic injuries, end quote, and describing gruesome details like her limbs being ripped from her body and her brain extruding from the cranial cavity. Tiffany was discovered at 11.16 p.m. that evening. A student engineer and a senior engineer operating the train heading from Philadelphia to Atlantic City would report fatally hitting a pedestrian near mile marker 45. Tiffany was pronounced dead at the scene by a nurse. A few days later, on July 18th, an autopsy was conducted and the death ruled a suicide. Tiffany's family was not convinced. On the evening of July 12th and 2015, Tiffany and her family were attending a graduation party across the street from their home in May's Landing, where family and friends reported her in good spirits and excited to be heading off to college in the fall after receiving a volleyball scholarship. Around 9 p.m., Tiffany decided to head home to get together with friends. Shortly after 9 p.m., Tiffany's mother, Diane, received a call from one of Tiffany's friends requesting she come to the house. Diane decided to head home and her husband, Steve, joined her. Arriving at the house, Tiffany's friend accused her of using her debit card without permission. At first, Tiffany denied it, and then she admitted to using the card. Tiffany had been caught a few months earlier stealing money from her parents' bank account. Diane went into the house after the friend drove away at 9.24 p.m. to get Steve, her husband, to discuss what had happened, and when they came out at 9.29 p.m., Tiffany was gone. At 9.28 p.m., a deer camera in the yard shows Tiffany walking up the driveway in a light-colored shirt, shorts, flat shoes, and wearing a white headband in her hair. The family began calling Tiffany's phone to urge her to come home, but no calls were answered. 
Several members of the immediate and extended family began to look for Tiffany. During this time, Tiffany's phone was found in the grass near the home. At 11.30 p.m. that evening, the family decided to call the police and report her missing. During the search, a family member drove near the train tracks and saw police and emergency crews. It was at this time that he discovered it was Tiffany who was struck by the train four miles from her home. In the early morning hours of July 13th, Tiffany's family was told that she had been hit by the transit train. On July 18th, the autopsy was conducted where Tiffany's death was ruled a suicide. Steve and Diane Valente could not believe their daughter committed suicide. She had an extreme fear of the dark and would not have wandered so far at night. Additionally, her body was only clothed in underwear with no shoes at the time of her death. During the week of July 27th, Diane discovered her daughter's headband, shoes, keychain, and a sweatshirt she didn't recognize as belonging to Tiffany about a mile from their home. The family then decided to hire an attorney to look further into Tiffany's death. Attorney Paul Diamato discovered several interesting discrepancies with the events of Tiffany's death. The initial report taken at the time of the incident from both the student engineer and the senior engineer states that the trespasser, Tiffany, was not observed until the train was right on top of the trespasser. In later testimony, the senior engineer states that he was turned away and didn't actually see anything. The student engineer later testified that he saw movement a half a mile away and as they got closer, he could see somebody crouching by the tracks wearing dark clothing. Then as the train continued to get closer, the person in the dark clothing ran and jumped in front of the train. The autopsy revealed no drugs or alcohol in Tiffany's system, and despite the railroad tracks being covered in rough, sharp rocks, the bottoms of her feet had no cuts or abrasions on them. Additionally, the medical examiner never contacted the family to get any indication of Tiffany's state of mind during her final days prior to making the determination that Tiffany took her own life that night. The family does not believe that Tiffany chose to jump in front of the train that night. They believe she may have met with a more sinister end. If you have any information regarding Tiffany Valente, please contact the New Jersey Criminal Justice Hotline at 800-277-2427. Tiffany Valente, man, this case, I, I gotta say... It kind of pisses me off, this case. It does. It, it makes me angry, too. Um, I can tell you what angers me most is the initial confirmation bias of the uh, investigators. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tiffany Valente, she goes to a graduation party. Young girl, 18 years old, excited about heading to college in the fall has a scholarship for volleyball. She's got everything going for her. Yeah, she's done a few things that she regrets. You know, she steals money from her parents. She 
um, steals her friend's debit card or uses her friend's debit card without her knowledge. Um, you know, of course, her parents are going to be a little annoyed. And, you know, the mom goes in the house, comes out and the length of time that, you know, the it was like a minute, a minute that yeah. that she went missing. But and, you know, from there, she's just gone. But I, I don't know. I don't know if she didn't just huck her phone and say, oh, I'm going for a walk or what. I feel like if somebody had driven by and picked her up, there were enough people on the street walking to, I mean, the cars were up and down the street parking for the party. The parents were right there. Like, I feel like she walked away. I, I, I do think she walked away, but I, but even her chucking her phone is suspect in my mind. I agree. It's suspect, but I also think it's possible that she's, oh, you know, I don't want to hear it from my parents. So let me just throw it because it, the phone was so close to their house. Let me just chuck this, you know, I don't know. I, I'm on the fence about it, but it's possible. Well, so let me, let, let me start at, in your description of her, she has everything going for her. And at that, um, her cousin's graduation party, she is actively discussing her plans for the future. Yeah. Uh, going including, to including plans for the next day when she's going to an amusement park with her friends. Right, right, right. And, and also plans uh, for her mother's birthday. Yeah. So this is a person who was looking forward. Yeah. Uh, who was... She wasn't depressed. She was jovial. She was excited. This isn't somebody who you know, was in a corner, withdrawn, someone who would have the signs of someone who might be contemplating taking their own life. And so to get from that point, which was uh, at least three hours before um, the incident that uh, of her apparent suicide, before that time, the precipitating event that led her to leave her house was this uh, friend's accusation that, uh, she used her debit card without permission given everything in her background is that really the event that would tip a person over into into right uh, i'm going to end my own life agreed it, it does it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make and i agree with you the the bias by uh, the investigators uh even by the medical examiner who in, in my frankly should be fired they, they didn't do their due diligence in this investigation. It's very not apparent. at all. And, and so, I, and I wonder if it's if it's they they come upon the scene, they see they see a grisly you know uh, scene. Uh, yeah. And, um, and it's it's there's no apparent evidence of foul play from that scene that they can see immediately. But do you just assume that somebody decided to in their underpants jump in front of a train? And, and and they, I don't know if they knew immediately that oh her her well they they documented it or they had documentation that they could not find, uh, her pants or shoes or anything like that or it was at least noted later on that they didn't find those things. But at the at the beginning, were they did they know those things? And if they didn't know those things, for them, their confirmation bias led them to set, to think. And this is my my guess is that their confirmation bias led them to think yes, this was obviously a person jumping in front of a train committing suicide. They never disabused themselves of that notion when new evidence presented itself to them. Agreed. Agreed. I, I just, it mystifies me the the lack of uh, investigative priority that should have taken place here just wasn't there. 
how how does a medical examiner just say oh suicide body on the tracks so without ever speaking to the family i i think this happened because um of the statement that was taken in the um the investigators report that claimed just it was denied later on that when the uncle uh, michael who is is a state trooper the uncle michael showed up there at the scene and apparently said to the investigator oh she said you know personal issues she said uh issues with depression she said uh disagreements with her parents whether that statement happened or not it was written down into a report which the medical examiner read i think the medical examiner said okay that's that's suicide and didn't question that statement even though it was denied later on well it wasn't de- denied later on it was the fact that that was i think it was her uncle uncle yeah um said no state trooper ever spoke to me at that time so i don't even know where yeah, they got yeah. that from yeah exactly he's he's denying that he made those statements to i the, mean it to... just point blank where did that come from right. no that that's absolutely not true and i never said that and never spoke to a state trooper yep. that statement was in that report yeah the medical examiner reads that report and for them it's like oh oh okay this is a very clear-cut case of suicide. But still, standard procedure, even if even if you see that type of statement, is to get in contact with the immediate family and discuss with them prior to making a determination. And that didn't happen here I agree. At all. I agree with that. I'm not saying it's right what the oh, medical no, no, no. examiner I, did I agree. or did not I, do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm not saying that. But so it was terrible but according to if we follow that path of what the medical examiner is stating so what they're saying is tiffany who was terrified of the dark decided to walk a mile from her home remove all of her clothing and then and shoes uh and then in bare feet in the dark walk to the train tracks and somehow jump in front of the train that the tracks are covered with sharp rocks and somehow magically not have any marks on the bottoms of her feet. The victimology that was done by others, not the investigators after this case, it doesn't agree that the, the, the very few facts of victimology that were found don't even agree with what the police are saying happened. Yeah, it, it just, it makes no sense to me makes absolutely no sense to me and furthermore the clothing that was found by the mother um a, a mile from their house the the shoes and the headband and and uh shirt i think it was a sweatshirt yeah no well the it was her shoes and her headband and then there was a sweatshirt that the mother didn't recognize yeah. as belonging to her daughter right. were so mishandled afterwards when the attorney was brought onto the scene and wanted those items checked for DNA, whether it was Tiffany's or anyone else's, they had been stored improperly and were covered with mold and couldn't even be tested to bring about new evidence to assist the medical examiner in changing the manner Manner of death death from suicide to undetermined. Like that couldn't even happen because the evidence was so poorly stored. In addition, they also found um, an axe that was at a camp that was close by uh, to the tracks that looked to have 
a substance on it that may or may not have been blood. And that was also supposedly retrieved, yet somehow lost. So that couldn't be tested either. The confirmation bias that the police had about this case, it, it affected how they treated any evidence found afterwards. Because if, if, if it's this case ruled a suicide, if we find this ax over here, why am I going to treat it like it could have? But still, all, all evidence regardless right, right. needs to be treated the same. Yeah. It needs to be protected. What is this evidence be... of? What is this? But... If, if this case is a suicide, what is this evidence of? Yeah. it's evidence of the surroundings it is needed just in case all evidence needs to be treated the same regardless of what you think it's for. right but the, i'm so just saying that their confirmation bias no, definitely, i get it yeah. i get it yeah. i mean that and you know the the train engineers changing their story um from oh the initial story was that the you know the student engineer says oh, we didn't see her until the train was right on top of her. And then when he is interviewed, says, oh, no, I saw her half a mile away and I blew the horn, which is counter um, evidentiary by the black box that was on the train. I'm, I'm led to believe that the engineer student didn't see anything until, until it happened. Oh, no, uh, I, I agree. I, I, but my, my point is he then says later... Oh no, I saw a dark figure a half a mile away. And then as we got closer, you know, it was a quarter mile away and I saw it. And then I saw someone stand up in dark clothing and run and jump in front of the train, which is impossible because the train tracks are raised. Right. You couldn't you you would have to be like a leopard. They're on a they're on a, a, on a rise. Like a two two foot like stone hill. Yeah. You know, like how I mean it wouldn't even yeah. be possible. So what the hell is the matter with the student engineer? I'm thinking his motivation is he wants to keep his job and to not be charged with criminal negligence uh, because part of his job was to keep a lookout onto the track while conducting. Um, well, he was a student, but he's his part of his job as a student is to do the duties of, of a conductor well, with, it was with also supervision, the job of the supervisor, the senior engineer to be looking and he wasn't even looking. And so, so his job was to perform the duties of an, of an engineer. Uh, and um, just FYI, I really hope he did not get the job. <laughs> uh, part of his job was to, was keeping a lookout onto the track for any obstructions or people. And from his conflicting statements, like I said before, I doubt he even saw Tiffany at, at all until until it was too late. Uh, oh, I agree. Uh, I agree. See, so like you were saying before, the engineer's student describes a female as wearing dark or black clothing or black shorts or black shirt, but that's not consistent with the what we know she was what we know tiffany was wearing when she left uh no, the house because it was it's she exactly was, the opposite yeah it's exactly the opposite and from the deer camp photo that was taken yeah so from the from the black box that was taken from the train the horn is activated for a single sustained two and a half second blast and then the horn stopped and 1.6 seconds later the emergency brake happened and the uh, engineer student says he then rang the bell, but that that was never recorded as happening. So from the time the apprentice sounded the horn, struck Tiffany, and applied the emergency brake, it took a total of 4.1 seconds. It appears from their statement that the that Tiffany was struck during that two and a half second horn, uh, and that makes the distance that 
Tiffany was at when she was seen uh, about if if being optimistic, 230 feet away or three quarters of a, of a football field away, going at 80 miles per hour. Yep. That's like a second. Yep. <clears throat> so I'm I'm wondering if the horn going off for two and a half seconds was just unrelated. She, he didn't see her. He just was tooting the horn. <laughs> Sorry, I don't just, need to laugh. Just like but... you know, just you know, just as part as you know, as what conductors do. Um, and he really did not see her until uh, the moment of impact. Moment of impact if you want to call and, it and, that, and pulled yeah. and pulled the brake. Uh, so he obviously, if that's the case, he does not want to see, seem like he wasn't doing his job and not looking out, looking for. Um, well, at the same time, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a very dark stretch of tracks. It's possible that, I don't know, maybe he just really, not through negligence, just through being new to the job, just didn't see it. I don't know. But, I mean, regardless, the fact that he changed his story, I, I think, is very shady. I, I get that he was trying to kind of self-serve and, you know, cover his but he, he obviously did not see, at least in his recollection. I don't know. He he. What he, what actually happened was he didn't see anybody. Yeah, he didn't see anybody, and 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 he, and he didn't describe Tiffany. No, not at all. If he did see her, he would describe what she was wearing oh, accurately. Agreed. Uh, so, uh, the story of her jumping out in front of the train, I don't think actually happened. No, oh, no, I agree that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. and impossible. Nobody could run up that hill and jump in front of the train unless they're a leopard <laughs> so so my question is what state was she in when the train struck her was she alive or dead if she was if we're saying that she didn't kill herself then she was alive if she was alive she was forced to get onto that track somehow she was maybe she was she was thrown but if she was thrown who who can throw a yeah. six six foot two yeah athletic uh young woman like who who can who can do that and yeah, who can that do way. that up this, up that slope up yeah that no, slope. no no i agree i agree i i think it's quite possible and this is just my theory i think that whether she threw her phone away or whether somebody grabbed her phone and grabbed her or whatever i think that she quite possibly was assaulted in the woods where her clothes and shoes were found. She hopefully ran away and just in, you know, whatever she had on, although, you know, the no marks on her feet would contradict that this theory right off the bat. Um, it's possible that she only ran a couple of steps and that was on leaves. And then she was hit on the head by something or someone and was carried to the tracks well in advance of the train even being there. Maybe she was alive, but unconscious. Um, maybe she was carried to close to the tracks. Although again, her, the bottoms of her feet had nothing on them. So I just was thinking maybe she was trying to get away from whoever that was, but there would have been marks on the bottom of her feet. So that doesn't fit either. I have a really hard time making a consistent theory from the facts that we know about this case. Yeah. Um, I do take it that she left the home. I don't think she threw away her phone immediately. I don't think she, by her own volition, threw away her phone. 
if she got into a car or was taken someplace, how did the dogs, the canine unit, track her her route? Yeah. If she got point. like how, how did how did that happen? And it's it is possible to walk uh from the house to where um she was found uh in an hour and ten minutes, which is consistent with the time frame. Um with no shoes and no marks on her. But page? Yeah, but and that's 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 my my question is or she can she can get there before her the time of her death i'm wondering if she was uh killed or made unconscious before she got to this to the site of the train tracks by somebody she was she was killed or made unconscious by somebody else who then took her shoes uh took her uh clothing her clothing uh and took her phone so by by what you're suggesting is they they made her unconscious, left her on the tracks, took her clothes, took put her shoes and her headband in one spot, along with some random sweatshirt, and then went back closer to the parents' house and threw the phone. I don't know if the sweatshirt's even related. I I don't know if it's even part of part of anything. Yeah, okay, that... so so let's discount that and say it's not part of it. But still, why then would you go back? and place just the shoes and the headband in one spot and then throw the phone closer to her parents' house. I think the phone was thrown away first. I think what happened was her phone is taken from her and her sister in um, the former medical examiner's account um, uh, that she, she had, her sister makes a statement about the cell phone data, which was taken from the phone. Mm -hmm. And in the cell phone data, there's a call from Jamie Hay, her friend, um, uh, who had the dispute about the right, about right, the right. debit card to Tiffany at 10:39 p.m. Mm -hmm. and this is an hour over an hour after she was last seen by her mother. Right. That was answered for 24 seconds. No yeah. one knows to answer that phone. It may have been Tiffany. It may have not been Tiffany. So who had Tiffany's phone at this time? Um, the data data was also used around 10:23 p.m. and 10:42 p.m. And at 10:42 p.m. the data that was used was a lot of data, but the phone was found. Uh, in the brush near the end of the driveway at the house by Tiffany's father at 11 p.m. Hmm. So, okay. so or my 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 guess is this: the a lot of data being used by the phone at 10:42 p.m. What app uses a lot of data? GPS. So, is someone looking to find where she lived, and then drove back and dumped the phone there? And that's 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 that's, that's just the phone. It could that, be. It could be. That's that's a good theory. And that's a good theory. But why? Because they do want to. They, at that time, they do want to make it seem like Tiffany uh, ran away. But, but that that would then suggest that it was somebody who knew her. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. So you think it was somebody who knew her, and basically left her to die on the tracks? Yes. Wow. And, and, and July 17th was when the canine unit was deployed mm -hmm. and found the route. When they went through that route, they did not, they did not pick up uh, Tiffany's shoes, uh, which were a mile away from the house. Yeah. The, uh, her mother found those shoes a mile away from the house on August 3rd. So were those, were those shoes placed there after that, after the canine unit was deployed? So the problem with my theory, like I said, is, do we know that route was the route? But the dogs followed the route that she went. Yeah. yeah? So, so if she if she did walk that th that three and a half miles to that site, or she was taken by by foot, 
mm-hmm. three hundred miles to set site, wearing shoes, which were eventually removed from her. Then, witnesses, where are they? Someone must have seen her in this three and a half miles. And if she's taken my car, then how the, the dogs? The, get... the dogs would have lost the scent. She yeah. couldn't have been taken. Yeah. My car. So that's my that's my hole in the theory. I, I really I think victimology is key here. Oh, I agree. If if, a, if if victimology is really done, if if the circle of her friends and acquaintances and people that she had problems with were thoroughly investigated by you know by the police, anybody, I think you'd find some leads, some really really good leads. Agreed. That could, Agreed. That could really help. I, I think that both the transit police and the state police really. I don't even want to say drop the ball. If the ball was like an earth-sized basketball, then yes, they dropped it. <laughs> I mean, it 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 was a, a huge, huge uh, mess up by all investigative parties involved. Um, I struggled to believe that that this happened. Like, I, I just don't. I don't get it. To understand why they did what they did without any rhyme or reason it just doesn't make sense to call it suicide at all when the evidence completely disregards that scenario i I just I, i don't understand i don't understand how somebody fully clothed who's afraid of the dark goes into the woods to kill themselves according to the suicide theory throws her phone in her parents yard and walks off into the night uh, a mile south, takes off all of her clothes, and then walks three miles north to the railroad tracks to stumble and or to lie on the railroad tracks. I'd like to ask the chief investigator this question and see what they say. If her phone was thrown in the bush as she left her residence at, at 930. Mm-hmm. And she walked and meandered to the train tracks mm-hmm. and was killed at 11, a little bit after 11 o'clock yep. that night. Then why is there answered calls in that phone yep. afterwards? I agree. I mean, it's not as if she went, well, maybe it's this way. If she wanted to commit suicide, she decided she was going to walk halfway there, then run home and throw her phone in the bushes, then run all the way back to the tracks. I, it, it makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense. The evidence does not suggest suicide in any way, shape, or form. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I think that Tiffany ran into someone or perhaps several people and she was assaulted, likely knocked unconscious, um, probably was, had been sexually assaulted and that's how she ended up with very few clo- pieces of clothing on um, and was carried to the train tracks. Maybe they knocked her out and thought she was dead. Maybe they did kill her and left her on the railroad tracks to destroy the evidence. I'm not going to theorize what happened to her, except that I, I think she was probably incapacitated in some fashion to, to, be, to end up on that train track and not she a- had to have been carried, though. She did not walk. That's yeah. for sure. Right, right. She could not have walked right. with no marks on her feet. Exactly, yeah. So she had to have been carried there. And given that it's a steep slope, it couldn't have happened right before the train got there. It happened probably before the train ever entered 
the area. Right. So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what I think. I can't make a consistent theory out of this. It's rough. But I can tell you that we, we both know what didn't happen. I, I will say there is a petition out there and you will find a link to it on our show notes to, and please, if you're listening, sign the petition to encourage the medical examiner to change uh, the manner of death from suicide to undetermined. Please, please, please don't ignore sign the petition. The more people who sign it, the more likely they are to change the manner of death and reopen uh, the case and reopen the case. Um, so please take a look at our show notes, click on the link. Sadly, in the case of, of Tiffany Valente, uh, I think that is true enough. That is unfortunately true enough. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of True Enough with your hosts, Catherine Duvall and Brandon McCowan. Thank you to our sources listed in our show notes. Follow us on Twitter at Enough underscore True and Facebook at True Enough Nation. If you have questions, comments, or a case you'd like us to cover, please email us at trueenoughnation at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, remember to subscribe on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, Anchor, or Stitcher, as we continue to determine what is true enough to be believed.